Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 136 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Raspy J. Catnip. In the studio with me, after a few weeks of hiatus, James Cook and Andrew Rosenthal. I got one question for you, James. How did it feel being gone for two weeks and not having to do a dang thing? It's pretty dang nice. Pretty dang nice. Yeah. Couldn't I mean, even, didn't even have a cell phone signal or internet where I was at. It really didn't rain at all. It was, it was pretty sweet. It it rained a little bit, but the first week we were there was really, really hot. And the second week was a little more mild. But I, also I have to ask, did you take my advice and take Cena out for nine holes? Or did you golf at we, all while you were there? I, we tried to one time, but uh, they were going to – she just wanted to go and go with. Yeah. And they were going to charge for both of us. What? So. Lame. Yeah. Lame. Everything's lame. So I haven't golfed in two weeks, so now I'm going to suck. I haven't either. I'm ready to go this week. We'll talk more about that later. We have a lot to do today. We are back after a few weeks. Sports are back for now. Practice officially started this week. Football, soccer, tennis, everything is kind of ready to get underway. But uh, we're still in the very early stages of this. Uh, I want to make sure that we let everybody know. The Get Around, we are going to be doing a live Q&A on Wednesday. So... We're recording this on Tuesday, so you might hear it as of today, Wednesday, August 12th at 7 p.m. We're going to be going live on Facebook and on Instagram to answer any questions that our Audible viewers, athletes, parents, coaches from around the area have about the return to sports. There has been a lot of different guidelines per sport, different ways to go about things, and we want to try to help clear those up for you guys. I'm sure that everybody has those questions about just what it's going to look like on the sidelines, what type of rule changes are going to be happening with these games, so... We want to make sure that we have a chance to kind of put that all out there before anything else changes. So as you're sending your kids or as you're going to these practices, to these games, you know what you got to do and what to expect and how to kind of keep this season going. If you can't join us for that Instagram and Facebook live session, feel free to email us your questions and we'll try to leave that. We'll read those off live uh, as well. So get those in, send them over to resports at record-eagle.com or to any one of us here, uh, James, Andrew, or myself. Uh, but yeah, guys, we have a lot more to talk about today. Football practice started yesterday. You guys were out at a couple football camps. So we're going to talk about the Traverse City football teams with St. Francis Central and Traverse City West. We're also going to talk about some big developments in college sports after our interview, which was a great one with former NHL player, now Traverse City resident, and somebody who's pretty famous for the John... Hockey legend. Yeah, the John Scott rule. Uh, Mr. John Scott. If you get your own rule, man, right? you're a legend. There's there's only there's like a Sean Avery rule. There's Martin Brodeur. I mean, he, he's up in that upper echelon of names. I mean, come on, man. But make sure you stick around for that. That was a great interview. He gave us a lot of cool insight about what it was like being a player, kind of what... Uh, the players inside this NHL bubble have been talking about. He's still pretty connected, so make sure you stick around for that. After that, we're going to talk about some developments in college football with the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and others uh, around the country. So we will get to that well after our interview, fellas. Just want to remind you, this episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Let's dive into the pulse, put a finger on the heartbeat of the sports world, and talk about football in Traverse City, gentlemen. I know Monday was fun. You're out in Adam, actually able to do something. James, I think you went to uh, West in St. Francis. Andrew, mm-hmm. you went over to Central. Let's go ahead and start off with the, uh, the smallest school of Traverse City, St. Francis. I know their last couple of years haven't been all the way to where they thought you know, they wanted to be, not making it all the way out to that quarterfinal, semifinal. What did you hear from Josh Sellers and everybody? I know that we're going to have a lot of new faces. It seems like, obviously, we've had, we had those quarterbacks from the last three years from these schools, uh, but we're going to have new faces in the fold. We're going to have new offensive stars. Uh, what did you hear from St. Francis yesterday? Um, I mean, the team looks very athletic. They've got actually a, a pretty good core of players back from last year's team. They went 8-4, and four, won two playoff games, and kept their streak going of six years now of winning at least two playoff games every year. So... They've got like seven starters or guys who are at least starting a good amount back on both sides of the ball. So a pretty good, pretty good base for them. Um, they get a new quarterback in Charlie Peterson, the younger brother of Cooper and Casey Peterson. He's a, a pretty big-armed lefty. And then uh, their JV quarterback is Wyatt Nasadis, the the basketball player who we all saw mm-hmm. this year as a freshman who was really good, burst on the scene as a freshman. And he's also a lefty. So three out of four of their next quarterbacks – are going to be lefties because Danny Passano was too with Colin Endress sandwiched in there. But, uh, I mean, overall it looked like a pretty athletic team. I mean, and they were 
I mean, it's hard watching a practice yeah. and everything, but they've got what appears to be uh, a pretty solid offensive line. You know, I don't know how deep it is, but they've got what looks to be a, a pretty good starting five, well, I would say a, at least. Are you talking about size-wise or yeah. experience? Because, a little bit, I mean, of, they did not, little bit I, of both. They did not have a lot of size on that team last year. The fa- the biggest guy on that team was I think like two was well, I think Spencer Hathaway he was like two fifty and now he was the the biggest guy by like twenty five thirty pounds on that entire team last year. Yeah, well Corbin Domrez is up to like I don't know two eighty five or two seventy five okay. or something like that now, and and a big kid. I mean, yeah, big wingspan. He's gonna know, be playing he's, tackle for them, right? Yeah, he's gonna be playing tackle. Um, they got two big tackles and a and a pretty good returning center in uh, in. Casey Donahue. So the offensive line, I think, if they plug in the guards, uh, Aiden Sherg is also back at guard. So they essentially have four of their five guys back um, on the offensive line. So, I mean, things to look at, you know, the potential there for them to uh, to have uh, to have that kind of season. They've got, you know, Aiden Schmuckle back in the in the backfield, gives them somebody who's run the ball there, and. I know they did more of a running back by committee last year. We know that they do like to keep it on the ground quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you said they might air it out a little bit, but with besides Aiden, did, did Josh tell you he's looking at anybody else to kind of come out of that backfield behind that offensive line you were talking about? Um, well, Anthony uh, Piedmont is going to be, uh, I believe he's going to be a starting running back this season or one of the starting running backs because mm-hmm. they, they, cause they wrote, the you know, we always do kind of a committee. They, yeah, in the wing tee, you have three in the backfield. Um, so I think Owen Mueller is going to be one of the other ones. He played a lot last season too. And Piedmont was the backup quarterback last season. So so he got under the field a decent amount as well. So so they have some decent experience there. I mean, the, the practice looked fairly crisp. I mean, they... Well, for a first day. They, you know, at St. Francis, they run like the same eight plays. Yeah. For the most part, or variations of those plays. Yeah, and I know. And and so those kids, so those kids come in knowing the plays, and uh, and they seem to be hitting them pretty well. They were working on fine t- fine tuning stuff, you know, like how much you extend on the handoff and and little things like that, rather than where to be, mm-hmm. and and everything. So. Yeah. Now, Andrew, I mean, you, you went over. You saw uh, Coach Eric Sugar's uh, Trevor C. Central Trojans team. I mean, we know the last couple of years it's been transitional. We had Peyton Smith come in and kind of make a big difference for them last year, but now it's all up to these underclassmen stepping into these bigger roles. What did you see from Traverse City Central when you went out there yesterday? I think that they got athletes for sure. Um, We know that from Central. They got a three or four guys competing for a quarterback spot, returning seven on offense, six on defense, so there's only 11 positions on the football field. Who else is going to be competing at quarterback besides Burnham? There was Ryan Royston and Carson Bordeaux splitting about half, about quarter of snaps each. Um, Burnham had the first half, and the other two had the other half. I also heard there was an underclassman that might jump into the mix, his name, but he said Coach Sugar said there was definitely a young guy that could make an impact. And I want to go even further. Further, Burnham was jumping in as a quarterback on scout team. Sometimes your starting quarterback goes on the scout team, sometimes he doesn't, but this is the guy that's like your best linebacker too. So they really have faith in him on the offensive side too, it, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, I, James, we saw what Josh did, you know, from that like tight end, kind of like H-back position on offense. They, they kind of moved him around. I mean, we know he has a lot of athletic skill, but we also know that Eric Sugars, especially in the last, what, you're looking at the last four or five years at, uh, you know, Traverse City Central – he likes to put all-around athletes at quarterback. He likes to put somebody who can, you know, control a game as an athlete. Some might say that, you know, you might be kind of wasting Burnham there. Others might say that you're utilizing to his fullest extent. I mean, we've never seen Josh play a game as a quarterback, especially in high school. But do you think that that is, would be a good move for them to put him in that, in that role and not have him, you know, somewhere else to make the difference? I mean, they used him a few times, I think, last season out of the Wildcat, um, just as kind of a change of pace thing, usually near the goal line, I think. Uh, I mean, I mean, it makes perfect sense to take your, your best athlete and put him at quarterback. Um, the only really other place you would put him at on offense would be running back, I think, you know, to just get the ball to them a lot. You know, they've got a decent amount of uh, receivers coming back on this team. I mean, with, with Carson Bordeaux, you mentioned before, Carson Hall, and then and Dante Williams. I mean, they've got three pretty good receivers who played a lot last year behind Trey Searles as they, they, they threw the ball quite a bit with Peyton Smith. So they got some good receivers coming back. I, I, I think putting Burnham at quarterback makes some sense, unless you got somebody else that's got a big arm. Yeah, I know you mentioned that they have quite a few starters back. Mm-hmm. Traverse City Central won the Big North last year. They have 13 starters when you go for both sides of the ball back. 
How did Eric Sugars kind of feel about this season, regardless of the possibility of it not happening or even being postponed? Well, at least you have some certainty about it for your players. You know, you don't really know if the season's going to happen or not, and that's a question I'm sure a lot of these high school teams are just not worrying about talking about. Do you know? You, I think you're trying to push forward as much as you can, as assuming the season's going to happen and practices, if that's going to be. I think for some, a lot of people, sports is your escape of that conversation. But anyways, to your question, one of the things I'm really, I'm really excited to see for this Traverse City Central team is Joe Ferlanza. He's uh, came from St. Francis, longtime defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator at St. Francis. Yeah. He's helping out Sugars this year, uh, safeties and linebackers. And I talked to Tyler McCoon, and he's like, he's he's got some formations that are just audited as like kind of alienish. You know, they're, they're kind of they, – he, he talked a little bit about, like, some sort of a 3-3 stack where you stack your linebackers on under your defensive backs but also drop them back a little bit. And then I thought, and as I'm writing this, there's not even a name to that. That's just kind of, like, outlandish thing where you have the separation between them. But I, I did play it. as I remember some of our defensive ends, they were like, that gives you a little more power when you can start out of a two and then come off a line, and it makes you attack, either attack a pass rush differently. Do you think that has anything to do with having Josh Burnham back there? Because I sure do. It certainly doesn't hurt. I mean, Burnham well, at linebacker. I mean, well, not even just that. I mean, can... what he's talking about. I, from what I, from what I not, from what I've seen out of Josh Burnham, Josh Burnham works like butter out of a two point stance. He's so much better coming off the edge in a two point stance on an, as an outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously he had you know Max Bola as a freshman as a linebacker coach. Obviously bringing in another good guy. I'm just saying, do you think this has anything to do with trying to develop that talent in the back end on defense? Well, I think so. I mean, if you you got to figure everybody knows who Josh Burnham is now. If they didn't last year, they do now, and they are going to do their their dang best to stay away from him and call plays anywhere else on the field where other than where he is. So if you can space your guys out away from him and take care of those other, kind of jam those other areas of the field a little bit more and then just say, you know, Josh, you got this yeah. third of the field. We'll, we'll leave you with this, uh, this entire <laughs> and flat we're, zone. And we're going to put like six guys in the other part of the field or yeah. just throw some weird formations at teams. Yeah. So if they're, if they're just like, oh, well, we got to play against Josh Burnham and then all of a sudden you're like, well, what the heck is this formation? How do I attack this? Maybe we're going to call it the Josh Burnham formation. Well, who who uh, who else were you uh, impressed with? I know it was only day one of practice, but uh, yeah. you know, just I, I want to talk a bit more than just Josh. Obviously, I mean, they still once again. I know they have a couple really good wide receivers who are coming back. Another couple linemen. I know Traverse City Central had a pretty good sized line last year. Anybody else that you really noticed uh, yesterday, Andrew? You know, I didn't really get a chance to see the wide receivers when the time I was there. I'm kind of dealing with a new dog. Uh, her name's Fanny. Just moved in with me. Anyways, she. Um, I'll, I'll I'll say this about the line. They got some good guys. You know, they got or they got some big guys. They got some. I I saw one of the drills they were doing is running under a sled and and then picking up a tennis ball that was just hanging on a cone. I'm like, if you're teaching how to stay in your stance at four feet at four steps after the snap, that's 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 te- that's technique that's not only going to save your life, but it's going to win you football games. So one little uh, piece of uh, Traverse City Central information is uh, that Marquette has canceled their week two game that was supposed to be in Traverse City. So both of Traverse City Central's first two games have been been changed because the DeWitt game was supposed to have been played at the University of Michigan at the Big House and is now going to be an away game at DeWitt. And uh, Marquette has uh, officially canceled the uh, Week 2 game. Um, I've heard that the the Great Northern UP Conference may be going to a conference-only schedule, which might also affect West's game against Escanaba. Well, you bring up West, so let's go ahead and uh, transfer into that. Normally I would have been there yesterday, but still had the one day off. You ran out there, talked to Coach Vaughn, and, and saw what this team has. I know, you know, they lost quite a few guys with Aiden Griggs, Andy Soma, Odin Safardini. They, I mean, they had a lot of kids who who were big difference makers on that team over the last couple of years. Uh, what did you hear from Coach Vaughn, and uh, what did you see out of the, the Titans this year? Well, they, I mean, they still got a, a decent amount of guys coming back, they, and the offensive line looks pretty solid. I mean, with uh, with yeah, with Danny Rosa coming back on the offensive line, and uh, and Zach Konchak. On the offensive line, that gives them uh, two pretty darn good linemen coming back there for them. Uh, you know, they can fill in with some other guys as well for this year. That that defense is really led by Christian Blavin. Yeah, you isn't know. he like going for the state block punt record? He's he's two he's two blocked punts away from the all time record, the career record for most blocked punts. And he, I mean, he had seven last year. So James, if there's a season, do we? And I'm the other other team. Do we artificially just punt just so we can get those two punts? <laughs> I don't think they're going to give it to him. 
<laughs> but I mean, they were working hard on the punt block yesterday at first day of practice. They were everybody on the team worked on punt block. Yeah, you posted that photo of the volleyballs. Did that, you, uh, what it was going on with that? Like, did yeah, you they, ask about it? Yeah, they always do that. They really? always use they always use the soccer balls. They come off the foot uh, faster. As uh, or so, I don't know if the they were soccer or volleyballs. They're volleyballs. But, yeah, they were volleyballs. But uh, yeah, they always use that. Uh, you know, just because the you know I don't know because they come off the foot faster and it's a bit softer. It doesn't hurt chains. Well, yeah, yeah. But do you think they were doing that because of Boavin? Well, they concentrate on block kicks well, a lot anyway. Because what last year they had, I think, thirteen as a team, yeah, and Boavin had seven of them. The year before they had fifteen. Yeah. And I don't know, Bob had like three or four of those. All I know is that if anybody, and I've literally seen it, I've watched a bunch of West games. If anybody comes with one of those spread out punt formations against Traverse City West, they have, they're just, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Where they have five linemen and like three foot splits. They did that. Like I saw that happen at least three times against West last year, and I'm pretty sure they got to block every single time. And, and, and Bob on, on defense well as well as a beast. Yeah. I mean, that kid is I mean, put together. And knows exactly what he's doing, and it is, I think, almost criminal that he does not have a Division One offer at this point. I was actually about to kind of parallel him with Josh Burnham, you know, with West and you know Josh Burnham. They might I be mean, the two best linebackers in all of Northern Michigan. I could, I, I'm, I'm getting close to saying that's got to be stat because I mean Christian Bobin, just like Josh, is an all-around athlete. When he first started on Traverse City West, he was running the ball pretty regularly. With the Titans, he's been on defense as a starter since he stepped foot with them. We just heard, you know, what he did over the winter time. He wrestled for the first time and was at whatever mm-hmm. 182 and was destroying kids. Made it all the way out. Um, he was one of Travis West's top wrestlers in his first year um, as a wrestler. So we know this kid has the athletic ability. He's probably, you know, their star of the year and who they're going to be looking to for a lot of their help. In an offense, they have him listed this year as a wide receiver. Wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. Yeah, I know we, we, we lost Andy Soma. We had Mason Morris step in a couple times last year when Andy had some issues, uh, and he, he showed out pretty well. He knew what he was doing, but he only threw the ball probably five, six, seven times all year. Anything changing from the Titans this year? Uh, well, it looks like it's a two-person competition for quarterback between Mason Morrison, who, like you said, started a few games when, when Soma got banged up last year, and uh, junior quarterback Brandon Konchek, who is the younger brother of senior offensive lineman Zach Konchek, and who is a pretty big quarterback himself. So uh, they don't know who's going to win that win that battle, but, you know, they've got two capable guys there. And, uh, you know, and, and West probably also has one of the best kickers coming back in the area in Finn Durbin. I mean, West has uh, West has pretty good numbers on their team. I mean, they got 48 kids on varsity, 110 in the program in the high school program between the three teams. So the numbers are there. Numbers are pretty good there. Um, St. Francis' numbers is good, are good as well. I mean, they've got 31 on varsity and 34 on the JV. So uh, you know, Josh Seller says anytime they have over 60, he considers it a win, and they're yeah. at 65. Thank you for the update, gentlemen. We are going to be out at plenty more football camps this week, next week, uh, kind of getting everything rolling to see how these teams are preparing for this season. Hopefully that will, you know, begin here at the end of the month. That segment is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. Yeah, so let's go ahead and dive into that amazing interview with former NHL player John Scott, he gave us a lot of cool insight about what it was like being in the NHL, being an enforcer, uh, kind of talked about the NHL bubble. So let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome in former NHL player John Scott, host of Dropping the Gloves podcast, and now Traverse City local. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the Get Around. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be on. I know we have probably a lot to talk about. Uh, you've been uh, you've been a, a lot of places since your time in the NHL, and you've done quite a bit of stuff. Just to begin with, let's talk about your podcast. Uh, I know Dropping the Gloves, you said you've been doing this for a couple of years, but what type of perspective do you try to give your listeners uh, when you go ahead and do your podcast on your own? Yeah, we just talk hockey, but not really from um, more from like a player perspective, not really from a fan or an analyst perspective, just because I know a lot of the guys who still play, and I can kind of give listeners an insight of what players are thinking, what players are doing behind the scenes, and 
you know, we, we try to keep it loose. We don't talk about hockey 24-7. We just talk about daily life stuff, fun stuff we do on the road, what hotels and the best, what restaurants, what, you know, stuff like that, what bars are the best on the road and stuff like that. So little things like that. Not that I went to bars, but, you know, just stuff like that that, uh, you know, I think I have an insight in that not a lot of people do. Now, how often do you do that podcast? Where can the listeners find that podcast to give it a chance? Oh, gosh, yeah, we do it three days a week now, and you can find it everywhere. Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your major podcast, it's out there. Drop in the gloves, you'll find it. Okay, okay, so you, you like doing it real crazy three times a week? Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and now we're ramping it up now that the hockey season's back in full swing. Yeah, let's, let's actually go ahead and talk about that a little bit. I'd love to get your perspective as a, a former player, and obviously, like you said, you're tapped in with a lot of the guys now. I mean, the NHL's restarting this bubble this bubble system. It seems like they're doing it right. They haven't any positive tests, but I mean, we're moving forward with this. How do you how do you like this kind of truncated, you know, Stanley Cup playoff deal that they got going on here? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. At first, I thought it was going to be a complete flop, and someone would ruin it and leave the bubble and get COVID. But they've been pretty serious talking to the guys inside the bubble. Like they have security at every door. They make you stay on your own floor in the hotel. When you leave the hotel, go to the rink. You literally don't see anybody. So they have it completely locked down where you're in a legit bubble, and they do testing all the time. So that side of it is is pretty great. And the hockey itself is is really entertaining. The players are in shape, which I was a little nervous about. There is no real drawback from having no fans. I thought no fans in the stands would be weird to watch. It would be weird for the players. But from what I've heard, it's a little strange, but once the puck drops, you're not really focusing on the fans anyway. So it's actually good hockey, and the first little playing around was super exciting. So, so far, they get an A-plus for me. Do any of the players ask you questions about the last time there was an in-season tournament? <laughs> the last time there was – it brings them all back to when they played minor hockey, honestly, because you would all go away. You'd, you'd drive an hour and a half, two, three hours away with your buddies and your teammates and your parents. You'd all – cool up in the same hotel and you play a game, you go back to the hotel and play mini six in the hallway. So it, it brings everyone back to kind of those days. And they, they enjoy it for now, but mind you, they weren't even there for a week and a half. I think they'll be staying a different tune in two, three, four weeks from now, two months from now, and they've just been sitting there doing absolutely nothing but playing hockey. They, I'm sure it'll wear on them, but for right now, they're actually having a good time in there. I think the viewer, the, our audible viewers really would appreciate your recollection of, uh, the all-star game of it. Uh, what do you remember about that tournament um, getting selected and every in your memories that you haven't really talked about? Yeah, it was in two, it wasn't two, 2016, but it feels like yesterday, you guys. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. You know, it was one of those circumstances where it was just a one in a million shot. It'll never happen again just because they implemented that rule. I don't know. I don't even know what the full rule reads, but it's, it's a rule that won't let guys like me into the game anymore. But <laughs> it was just cool to have uh, the fans rally behind you and have the players rally behind you, even though it was apparent that the league didn't want me in the game and they did everything in their power to make it so I wasn't going to play in that game. But it just worked out where I got to play and it was just a great weekend. I think the best part for me was, besides just winning the MVP and winning the whole thing, was just being able to experience it with my wife and kids. She was, gosh, she, she was nine and three quarters and a half months pregnant at that point with our with our twins. So my wife being able to be there was cool and my, my two older girls being able to be there and kind of experience that whole weekend with them was pretty special. I mean, it has to kind of feel like a Cinderella story for you. Uh, I mean, even in 2015, would you ever, would you have ever even thought you would come close to being captain MVP of the All-Star Game or even being in it in the first place? Oh, gosh, not a chance in the world. I, I That was the furthest thing from my mind. We had plans. We booked a hotel and plane tickets for that All-Star Game because when you when you start the season, you kind of find out in the calendar where the All-Star Game is and where the Olympic break is now. And so we were already planning on going on a trip, and I was like, oh, we might want to cancel those trips, those tickets and stuff, because there's no way. Like, listen, I, I score one, maybe two goals a season. I'm not an all-star, unless like, you're talking about fighting. So to, to go to an all-star game and be a captain and then win MVP, that's like, I, I would call you crazy if that would ever happen. Now, I, I know you said you might be an all-star in fighting. Obviously, like we talked about, your, your podcast is uh, dropping the gloves. I think, you know, in your time as a journeyman to the NHL, you were known as one of those grinders, one of those enforcers. Uh, what type of mentality did you bring to the ice as a professional hockey player, and how do you kind of keep up that persona in such a rough NHL? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it, it was a part of the game, and I just happened to be the biggest guy, and I used fighting as a tool to kind of further my career, and 
I've always been kind of a, a protector type growing up. I always, if I saw something I didn't like, I, I kind of tried to jump in and take care of it. I'm not saying I was a perfect person, but I just always like to take care of guys. And my gosh, my favorite scene from a movie is that American Sniper movie when they're sitting at the dinner table and the father's like, there's sheep and there's sheep dogs and there's wolves. And I didn't raise no wolves, so sheep. And so, and he like brings out his belt. He's like, you're a sheep dog. So I just feel like in hockey, especially, I, I didn't enjoy fighting per se. I enjoyed protecting my teammates. I enjoyed going out there and just doing my job to give them a little more space. And what I would do, because I didn't like fighting, the first month of the season, I would really, really go out there and try to clean someone's clock, so to speak, and really lay a number on somebody if we did get into a fight. So for the rest of the year, the guys would see that, and they would be a little nervous, and they wouldn't want to fight me. And it worked out fine. I didn't fight too much, but if you go back and watch my tapes, my first two or three fights every year, I would just destroy guys because I didn't want to fight. And I just said, I'm going to beat the son of this guy as best I can, so three games later, he won't want to fight me again. And it worked good, honestly. It worked out perfect. Just put the fear of God in him. It had to help being yeah. like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and having uh, an immense reach on everyone. The size helps. Yeah, six eight and two seventy doesn't it doesn't hurt when you're playing out there. Do you still work out at Trigger Boxing? No, well they moved out to Kalkaska. So mm-hmm. I, I worked out there for a, a few years. It was great. Bill was so good. He kinda kept my, my hands sharp and besides the whole boxing aspect, he was just a good trainer. Like I got such a good workout going there. But yeah, he moved to Kalkaska, so I haven't seen him in a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just tell our listeners uh, how it was that you landed in Traverse City. I know you're a Michigan Tech grad and all, but uh, how did you get to Traverse City specifically? Yeah, I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I, I actually made it to Traverse City because of a girl. The, the real old cliche story, but I met my wife up in Michigan Tech, and we came here after I seen her just on a visit, and I just fell in love with the place. And when we were looking to buy, I had been over the all over the country. I, I lived everywhere. We we pretty much spent a season, gosh, all over the country from coast to coast, and Traverse City, it was a no-brainer. I was like, let's just settle down here, and we bought a nice house and on the west side, and we love it. So my wife's been here her whole life, and I, I'm pretty much Traverse City forever from here on out. Okay, so kind of the Dallas Drake story. Exactly. I live, I literally, <laughs> a nine-iron, I can do a chip shot into his back so <laughs> <laughs> What about the hockey culture up here in, in the north as a whole? You know, there's three different rinks in Traverse City. We have the Red Wings, uh, Red Wings training camp, Crossfix camp. What is it about the north that just makes hockey so unique here? Well, it's the weather, right? It's, and then there's, there's so many links to the wings. And even the past wings, Gordie Howe, everywhere I go around this town, I tell people I played hockey, and they go, oh, I'm Gordie Howe. I met him in this place, and he owned this restaurant, this and that. So there's just so much hockey history in this little city, and I just think, People like hockey in this area. It's just, if there was a late freeze, we were up there with skating, and it's just, it's just something. I don't know. And the players love coming here, especially with the prospects center and the wings camp. Everybody who I ran across when I was playing the league, they, they knew about Traverse City. They wanted to come here. They wanted to tell me golf or fish or, or just be here because it's such a great city. How do you compare it to Canada? I compare it to, it's, it's like a Canada mimic. It honestly is. But there's more beaches here. It's great. Like, this, this place is unreal, you guys. You guys know that. Like, there's nothing that compares to Traverse City. So, I'm doing a great work here. Like, it's just such a great city. Mm-hmm. Now, now, one of our photographers, Jan Stump, plays uh, in you know, adult rec league hockey at Traverse City. And he says, every once in a while, you'll just drop in and play. Yeah, I love it. My uh, my father-in-law skates quite a bit with the old-timers, so mm-hmm. I play in a Sunday night league here with, with some of my friends for the Jolly Pumpkin team, but anytime he goes out, I love going. I love playing with the old guys. It's so fun. The best part is after the game or the skate, they always have like craft beers and pickles and like homemade meats in their locker room because <laughs> they, they get it. They understand what <laughs> they talk about. It's so great. And that's awesome. What's been the best reaction you've gotten from somebody when you step on the ice in, 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 one, in one of those adult rec league games? It's just cool. Like, they're really respectful. They come over and they say, hey, man, this is so great. They really appreciate me coming out there because it's all mostly 55 and up, and they're not the greatest hockey players. So I just go around and kind of glide around. I don't break a sweat at all, but it's fun, you know, because it's fun to give an old-timer a pass and he scores a goal and he's super happy, you know. He's just like, I got, I got a goal from an NHL player. It's, it's great. So, I don't know. It's just, it's really fun. I, anybody, I'm not selling it like I should, but it's a lot of fun. Trust me. Anybody in Red League ever try to drop the gloves with you? <laughs> yeah, on my Sunday night league, someone did. And there's been times where I get fired up or people are like, you're you didn't play, you know, you don't deserve to play in the NHL. I'm like, what do you mean? And then the guy, I have a temper still, you know, I, yeah. I got to stick up for myself. So, it's, 
we've definitely instigated a few altercations, but it's never came to blows, thankfully, because I don't want to go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> right. Isn't that, it, it's not quite, the rec leagues aren't quite the NHL where you have those protections. You just got to sit out for five minutes. No, and I'm the best player, too, so they're taking me out the ice. It's just, it's just the whole, it's the whole bag of things. But it's fine. It's all good fun. Now, <laughs> Come I know, on, no. Now, let me ask you this question. In the NHL, you know, once you get done having an actual fist fight, is five minutes enough to even get yourself back together and get back on the ice? Yeah, five five minutes is, is the right amount of time because if it was anything less, you, you wouldn't be able to skate. I don't think people realize how hard it is to throw punches for 30 seconds to a minute to a minute and a half sometimes. It's, it's exhausting. Not only your shoulders, but your just lungs. It's just, I don't know, go in your backyard and try punching a bag for 30 to 40 seconds. It's exhausting. And then try to imagine doing that with someone trying to throw a punch in your face and like knock you over and pull you around and stuff. It's it's a workout, man, and uh, yeah, five minutes is just just the right amount of time. Whoever who made that call, and doing it on skates, and with a jersey probably pulled over the back of your head, whatever you're trying to do. It's just I, a lot of stuff going into it. Yeah, yeah. Has, <laughs> ever, has anybody ever been able to pull the jersey over your head? No, never. Because you're too tall. I'm assuming, right? Fighting straps. Yeah, that was my thing. As soon as I got tired and I didn't want to fight anymore, I was like, all right, jersey overhead, fight over. <laughs> I, I'm still, I'm still talking about fights. So, I, do, do, is there anyone in your NHL career that stands out, or anybody who gave you just one a, a good bout that you were just like, man, or anybody who ever scared you and did not fighting them again? Let's put it that way. No, no one ever scared me to not fight them. But I, I feel like George Perros and me would go back and forth. He broke my nose one time. I didn't even see it. He just kind of slugged me with one coming into the fight. I, I was going in to grab his sweater, and he just bombed me on the way down the pipe. And I was like, whoa, George. And he, he was the heavyweight for a while. He had a couple epic battles. So he was a guy who I respected, but also I, I was fearful and cautious when I, when I fought him. Now, I know uh, since since uh, you were in the NHL with the All-Star Game and everything, they actually have changed like basically the whole format of how they do it um, and how they're kind of working with it now. Uh, do you like it any better, uh, or did you kind of like having the the two teams, you know, the East West, but now they're doing the separate uh, small ones like you had? Oh gosh, I think it's I think it's better the way it is now. I think it's more interesting for the fans to kind of mix it up a little bit because the players don't want to do a five on five game. It's just boring for them. So to to mix it up and do a three on three and get to play with guys who you just grind with and battle with, like the last night, it's kind of cool. And uh, I don't know, I'm sure they'll change it up in 10 years when this gets a little stale, but from what it was to what it is now, it's a lot more enjoyable to watch. Now, I now I know that they do, like, the big three basketball thing for, you know, a lot of the retired basketball players. You see some of the older guys still getting in there and making those little teams of three. Could you ever see uh, guys in the NHL, you know, older guys like you, maybe getting into something like that that could keep keep your careers going just to kind of enjoy the game and still do competitive stuff like that? It's funny you say that. They are starting up something like that. I saw something, gosh, it must have been last fall where they were starting up a league for three-on-three, three and it's based in Canada, and they got, like, some Hall of Fame players to be coaches. So, I don't know. I would never do it. Hockey's a different game where, you're like, you need to stay in shape. Have you seen some of those big three players? They they're, they're, they call it big for a reason. Like, those guys are out of shape. So, it's, uh, I don't think it would be slower. It wouldn't be the same as the NHL, the speed and stuff. I don't think the fans would like it, but... I would try it out. It's fun. I love playing hockey anywhere I can. So. Is it is it a different kind of game? You know that people. I know there's Olympic three v three v three basketball. Is is three three v three hockey feel different when you play it than five v five? Oh, it's it's so much harder. You have so much more space. And for a guy who doesn't have great hands, I don't know how many of your listeners play hockey or have watched hockey. But when you have a little more room and you have this puck, it's a lot more pressure. And you just end up doing terrible things with it when you don't know how to work a puck with it. You need to be good. Five on five, you can hide a little more. Three on three, you cannot. You're out there, and people are watching. Now, I, most of our most of our listeners are, you know, um, locally based high school kids, parents, things like that. What sort of advice would you give to you know youth hockey players or you know high school hockey players who are really trying to um, you know work their way into those college ranks or even into the professional ranks? What kind of advice would you give the young kids? Um, be realistic. I think a lot of people waste their time trying to get somewhere where, where they have no business being. And I know I'm being pretty cross, cross about this, but I run across a lot of kids a lot of times and like, we're going to make the NHL, we're going to do this and that. And I'm just like, no, you're not. Like, don't waste your time. And I'm maybe it's just the wrong answer to give, but just be realistic. And if you are good, go work at it. You know, 
work your hardest and see where it takes you. Because I, I never thought I'd make the show. My goal was to get a scholarship and go to Michigan Tech. And that's what I did. I kind of drove my whole, my whole drive was to go get a scholarship, and I did it. If you want to do that route, like you have to go all in. You can't just kind of dip a toe in. So, but if, if you're not all in or if you don't think you're going to make it or you don't have the skills, do something else and be successful in something else. But just don't waste your time. You know, I, I just I hate to see that. I play with so many guys in the AHL or in college or around the way, and they just they're 25, 30, and they have nothing to show so far with their life other than they played semi-pro hockey for four years and they have nothing to the bank and they have a, no college degree or, I don't know, that's kind of a downer of an answer. <laughs> hey, it's honest. That's what I care about. Honesty is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of which, what did you think of the NHL draft lottery? I thought it was great. I think it's cool to not reward the Red Wings for tanking this year. That was my personal take on it. So I thought it was interesting. Well, I, I saw your tweet the other day that you said that the, the Rangers are going to have, like, the best young forward core in the league now, right? Yeah, they got, well, with Kako, and they have, uh, that, who else do they have? Uh, Panarin, and they got those young D men. Like they're going to be a scary team. This is not next year; the next two or three years coming up. They're, they got a good squad. Since the uh, since the All Star thing in 2016, have you ever run into Gary Bettman in person? No, never. No. If, if you did, what would you say to him? No, never. I would. Just, I, I would. I have no ill will toward him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would say, hey, how's it going? Congrats. Like the NHL's doing great right now. So I would have no nothing bad to say about it. One little thing. I'm going to change gears here. What's your favorite hockey movie? Or the best hockey movie? I like Mystery Alaska. I think that's such a fun movie. I, that's just my, whenever it's on, I always stop and watch it. It's just such a good movie. I know everyone says Slapshot or, uh, I like <laughs> Mystery Alaska. I don't know. I, think it's a good, I, just, I, I, I really like that answer because I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. And it's a good, it's a movie. good movie. It's a really good yeah. movie. It's got a good message. It's, it's good. Yeah. And you just recently had another daughter not too long ago, yeah. correct? How, that's yes, number, four or five now? Six. Six? six wow. wow. Yeah. So we got number six. She was born a month ago. They have months in Illinois, Agatha. So she's doing good. Yeah. We're, we're, couldn't, be, couldn't be happier at the Scott household. Is it, is it looking like uh, all the kids are going to be six foot seven, six foot eight, uh, huge athletes no. like their dad? It's funny because two, two of them will be tall for sure. They'll be over six feet. My twins are going to be around 5'10", 5'11", and the other two are going to be tiny. Like, well, tiny, they'll be like 5'6", 5'7", 5'8", for girls. But, yeah, it's, uh, they're all over the place. They'll all be over 5'6", I'll say that. And for girls, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, alrighty, John. Thank you so much all for right. joining us. Um, once again, make sure you check out John's podcast, Dropping the Gloves, three days a week. Anywhere you can find podcasts, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Once again, John, thank you so much for joining us here at the Get Around, and we wish you the best of uh, health and safety. Thanks for doing this. No problem, you guys. This is a blast. Another huge thank you to John Scott for joining us. Make sure you check out his podcast, Dropping the Gloves, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday on iTunes, Spotify, uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, obviously, he is quite the chatterbox, so get over there and get entertained after you get done listening to our podcast here. That interview brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. At Jimmy John's, they're freaks about fresh bread, meats, and veggies, because that means it's better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. Let's go ahead and get into our Chatter That Matters section and talk about college football. We got pretty bad news in the last couple of days. Uh, the Big Ten... It was rumored on Monday, official on Tuesday, the Big Ten is not going to have a fall football season. They're hoping to play games in the spring. The Pac-12 followed shortly behind. The MAC actually was ahead of them. We got three pretty big conferences. The MAC obviously is just really relevant to us with Central, uh, Western, Eastern, Bowling Green, those types of teams in there. But no fall football for these schools, at least anywhere in our regional area with, with Division One college athletics. That's a sad day, but... What do you guys think? I mean, I've said it for weeks. I think it's the only way it was ever going to work out. Yeah, I don't think any of us are completely shocked by this. I mean, maybe the, the finality of the of hearing that news or whatever, but I think everybody kind of saw the the writing on the wall, the dominoes falling, and the you know Division Two and Division Three leagues canceling, and you know the Ivy League, and then the MAC. I mean, uh, you, you kind of saw it coming in the distance. If they can pull off spring football, that'd be great. I, you know, I think maybe in the spring, I don't know if even in the spring, maybe you won't have a full season or anything like that. But at least you could have a Big Ten. Big Ten could have a season, and 
maybe because it's pretty similar regionally, Big Ten Mac crossover games. So you have two, you play two or three Mac teams in the beginning of the season, you know, the Big Ten and the Mac, and then they go into their conference seasons. So you could get a full season out of it. It's tough with colleges. And weather's going to play a factor, too. I mean, because this is the Midwest. How early can you start in the spring? You start as early as you have to. Uh, That's one nice thing about colleges and stuff is that, especially without any, if there wouldn't be any fans or anything like that, even then, I mean, they just got to make sure the field's ready and it ain't that that hard of an obstacle to take care of um, for teams to play. Even if it is the middle of February, it's going to be cold. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, the big thing for me, and I'll say it like this, I wrote my column a couple weeks ago. I still just, I'm sitting here like we should just basically erase 2020 off the sports calendar and just wait for 2021. I, it's, it's really hard financially, though. Like, uh, well, I know it is, and it's tough with college kids, too, because like they're still going to be taking their classes. They're, they might get another year of eligibility. but what? They're and just we gonna... can always see how it can work, but it's just a bad image to everyone else who looks at it, and it totally makes sense, right? What? That people could see that just as weird that you can go to class, but you can't golf you know? well the majority of these these institutions as of right now are still doing in-person classes but i don't think that's going to stick that way in the coming weeks we have about two and a half weeks until kids start moving into their colleges uh, i know almost all the athletes i've talked about have schools uh, planning to have them in person and and do it i mean we talked i mean we, we, we at least have seen some of the college athletes have a lot of pushback especially these football players have a lot of pushback about not playing and they're like, oh, well, I think we'd be safer in our – I think Trevor Lawrence is the one who brought it up. He's like, I think people will be safer yeah. at college campuses than, you know, just living their everyday lives. You know, we'll actually be in this bubble or we'll actually be under the supervision of all these, uh, you know, these coaches and everything like that. Do you guys see any validity to that? Justin I, I, Fields, too. I don't know. I mean, that, that's on you. Yeah. I mean, that's how you behave. <laughs> if if he needs, If he needs, you know, his coach in college to tell him not to go out at weekend – on the weekend and party or something, then, then that's on Trevor Lawrence. I, I, he was, of course, he was talking in a, a third person. He wasn't speaking well, of himself, I mean, any, I mean, any player, you know. I'm saying, I mean, you I got to be safe. You got to do the right things. If you want a season, you know, we should have been doing the right things. We should have been doing them months ago, but a lot of people aren't. I, I can look back at a column on, I think it was right around Memorial Day. I wrote a column, and one of the sentences in there said, "I see people clamoring for college football." And I was like, that in May, I was like, that already seems like a far cry with how I saw everything going, and it was spot on at this point. I don't think that it'll take. I mean, the the originally the MHSAA was supposed to follow. We're supposed to wait till August twentieth to make a decision That'd on whether nine days from today on whether football will be played. I don't think it takes that long. I I I think that they will announce something before that. So why not just cut it now? Well, I don't. I mean, I don't. Whatever way it goes, I yeah. think. I think that with the with this news, with the MAC, the Big Ten, the Pac-10, or Pac-12, that uh, they got to they got to do something. They got to come out and say something. Now, so, James, I think that some, a lot some, of... something more than just what you said the other day of that high school football is different than college football. Well, yeah, it's just different problems. No, James, it's not that there's not problems. There's a lot of people wondering about why this is happening now. You know, we, about two or three weeks ago, we were actually. I mean, the Big Ten released a schedule three days ago, right? Seems like mm-hmm. something like that. What changed between now and then? Well, there's this University of Wisconsin study that actually did look at Big Ten athletes that got coronavirus from fall camps. You know a little bit more about that than I did, but what happened there? Um, well, it came out with that five Big Ten athletes who had con- who had contracted uh, coronavirus had essentially heart damage, um, you know, an inflamed muscle in the heart that is something that you commonly see in people who have contracted viruses like this. And later in life, it can lead to heart attack, sudden heart attack out of, the way, out of nowhere. I don't know that any athlete's going to want to risk that. I mean, that, I, that's pretty grave. I've seen it, there's a lot of different opinions on Twitter from athletes. Oh, yeah. There's those guys who are like, yeah, we're doing this, we want to do this. And then, I mean, I saw guys like Connor Hayward from Michigan State. He's like, listen. This shouldn't be. He he's like, I will be there with my team every step of the way. I will play every down of football I'm asked to play, but I ain't comfortable doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. This isn't safe. If it means I'm gonna be there for my team, I'm gonna do it for my team. But that was one of the things I brought up last week. Like, I just don't think it's even ethically like right to put these college football players on the field. They're being forced to do it. Yeah. They're not. They don't have a. They don't have an option to opt out like these uh, professional players. They have families and homes, and a lot of them in low income areas. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what what, what is that going to do 
when you send these kids back after a, a season long or whatever. I mean, you can't force people to do this you when know, it's not safe. Jake, what you just brought up is I feel like the central legal argument that this all came down to. Are these kids amateurs or are these, are these kids employees? Because as my, as my, one of the podcasts I like to listen to, The Business of Sports with Andrew Brett, he probably says the same thing about 50 times uh, over the course of the year. There will be lawyers. People will get hurt. There will be long-term effects of the coronavirus that we just don't know about right now. If these schools get sued, stuff about amateurism with, the, with regards to NCAA athletes will come up. It's already been talked about in legal in attorneys saying before that what that basically what the NCAA is doing has been illegal for years and years and years. Is this going to be the thing that finally blows it all open? I don't think they want that. And if they were to say force kids to essentially come on the field for uh, TV rights, because really this is what's coming down to hundred dollar hundred million dollar contracts per year, you would have had to declare the athletes employees. Right now. Period. I mean, right now, the NCAA still hasn't done anything. I know. Has done nothing. So this is a, the conferences yeah. are the ones who are deciding to cut this off. But the, when you do file lawsuits, you, I mean, when lawsuits are filed, they go after, like, four different levels. The oh, coach, yeah, they would they'd go the after school, the school, the, the conference, yeah. the NCAA. But that's what I'm saying is the NCAA. I feel like they want to be safe than sorry. Which, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to argue the NCAA hasn't done anything. Well, yeah. So I don't think, I don't, they, I, I've said that the NCAA doesn't give a crap about those athletes. No. Because they are just a money pit, right? They haven't said anything about not wanting to have kids out there or anything. They're letting other people make the decisions for them. And I don't think any of the athletes like that either. And I think it's actually kind of wrong. They're just kind of letting this go because what? As we already know, the South has exploded with coronavirus, but the SEC is just going to keep playing football games. Yeah, I don't should know totally be allowed, right? No, the NCAA needs to step in and make that decision for them. Say, guess what? None of this is sanctioned this year. Go ahead and get your players injured for future competitions. I, I, I'm kind of disappointed that they haven't done yet that yet. But then again, I'm super disappointed. There ain't going to be no college football this year. I, I mean, I mean, the NCAA should just do like what they did for the spring. If you know, and if they're going to cancel it cancel it and say we'll give you another year of eligibility we'll honor your scholarships we'll do all that the interesting thing will be to see if if you have to cancel football are they going to cancel every other sport i think if they do they will if they cancel if they cancel football they're going to cancel every other sport in the fall and you're going to have long-term effects for those olympic sports that are pretty much already funded by football unfortunately yeah because football makes the money that supports cross-country and tennis and golf and all those those, are lose money operations with how much money they spend on them that goes into it. Yeah, and then and then I don't know you're, the the Title IX implications. No. Are you going to have to cancel the same number of sports, uh, same number of scholarships? I don't know. I, I just know it gets tough. If, I, I kind of brought this up earlier. So I think it's an all or nothing thing, at least in the college level. It's and it's so hard because, like you said, with the whole eligibility thing and all that, they obviously already gave quite a bit of kids that a chance for another year of eligibility. But you know, it comes to football, it's like what? So you're gonna you got you're gonna let twenty two of these guys in this class finish school but as a scholarship you know they already housed them and fed them and everything for this year well they're gonna have to do that all again next year just to keep them on the football team if they want them maybe not even be in class maybe not do anything else but they're still gonna have to pay for all those extra expenses for a kid when it's not even like that then what do you cut scholarships for the incoming class do you expand the number of scholarships you're allowed to have on the team for the year it's nuts and just and everybody is everybody is scared to death to be sued I mean, we've seen how, like, TCAPS has slow-played this. Three weeks ago, we were supposed to host an all-star game, and TCAPS wanted nothing to do with it. Um, and it was baseball, even. Baseball and softball. TCAPS wanted nothing to do with it. They wouldn't let us use their coaches. They wouldn't let the athletes even wear their uniforms. And, you know, I was given a – I was preached to about it, that I was going to get these kids hurt and everything. But three weeks later, it's fine. First football practice was Monday. I don't know what changed. Nothing. Everything's just gotten worse. I mean, I hate to be like that, but everything's just gotten worse. The only thing that hasn't gotten worse, as we talked about earlier, is probably the NHL bubble. I think there was. I think I saw there was one guy from the NHL bubble they like kicked out because he broke some protocols. Maybe because he broke protocols, but zero players. Have Nobody's tested. Positive. No, no, but they they kicked. That, that, yeah. that's how bad it was. He broke protocol and they kicked him out of the bubble. They were like, mm-hmm. "You're not playing no more." They're yeah. they're doing something. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. Can stuff be done? Yeah, but yeah. Not, not. There's no way that everybody be, has the resources to have a controlled there's, environment. There's going like to be that. a lot of risks. I mean, I don't know. Football's a violent sport. There's inherent risk. 
but the only you're th- doubling it. The only crazy other crazy part about it is you think about, oh, man, these bubble things could work, and obviously it's not going to be like this forever. But I don't think that this bubble thing can work for everything. You know, I, I think I think it was like the Athletic put out like a their, like, plan to keep college basketball going by doing, like, 76 bubbles of eight teams each, and they play, like, 22 games against those other seven teams and, or 21 I, games against those other seven teams, and that's how they decide the tournament field, and then they just put the entire NCAA tournament into a bubble and run it like that. And I'm just like, yeah, but, God, man. Once again, I'm, I hate to be like this. You need to just cut these logistical nightmares out of the equation and restart a new next year. I, I, I'm so sick and tired of, like, even though we're talking about all these logistical nightmares, not with just the NHL, with every single level, every single sport. At the high school level. Everything. How do you transport kids from Traverse City to Alpena for a football game safely? Everything. With, that, and social distance. I say, um, I mean, take it out the window, I, chop it off at the legs. And say, guess what? We better we better nip this in the bud, or no one's playing sports for a long time. Yeah, and nobody wants to see sports. Nobody wants to see football start in a couple of weeks more than we do. Literally, go read my column from two weeks ago. I was pretty irate. If you want to really see, like, there's no way that any of us are rooting for this stuff to happen. If you really think I wanted to get the news yesterday that I'm not going to see the Michigan State Spartans play football this year, I- I'm literally yeah. like dead inside for a couple of months now. Like. That is, just like everybody else, that is my fall Saturdays. That is what I look yeah. forward to. You think I was happy when I heard the Jayhawks wouldn't be winning a national championship in 2020? I mean, what, in football? In basketball. In basketball. Oh, well, that wasn't going to happen anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. That's why I said Yeah, it wasn't going to happen anyways. He didn't anyways. say it. I was going to say it. Just, yeah, it wasn't going to happen just anyways. Just to give you crap. But, I mean, it, but yeah. I mean, and just us personally, I mean, if they cancel football and they cancel all sports, it's going to impact us. What do you think? I'm I, I my my editor has been poking in my ear like every three weeks. So when sports doesn't happen, are you ready to talk about your new beat, Jake? No, I'm not. So we need this stuff back. I don't know. I, I don't want to get too far into our own wallow fest. So uh, we'll go ahead and we'll chop off episode 136 here. Make sure you like, retweet, comment, share, follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. So you can join us for our live Q and A on Wednesday. Get those questions into our email at resports at record-eagle.com. There's a lot to go over. There's a lot of sports that we got to chat about. Please join us then, and thanks for listening to episode 136 of The Get Around. We'll see you next week for episode 137.